I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another edition of the Lost for Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined tonight by Bradley Todd and Bradley Todd only. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, mate. All the better for watching Nottingham Forest get promoted. I know this isn't a uh, a football podcast, but uh, I can't contain my joy on that one. Uh, I will say that there's a couple of Huddersfield fans or people that go to Huddersfield that one Chris Lofthouse actually... um, was going to help me try and get tickets at one point, which is very, very good of him. Um, and, and there's been other people that have kind of congratulated us and, and things like that, despite being on the Huddersfield end. So um, really, really grateful for that. I think their fans were actually, you know, fans everywhere we kind of uh, bumped into. Even outside Wembley Way, walking down, they were shaking our hands, saying, well done. Don't know quite how serious they were, considering uh, oh, some, of the, some of the refereeing decisions. But uh, it was all very pleasant. There wasn't any... Uh, any animosity anyway, so that was mm-hmm. nice. So it's a good day. Uh, that did mean I didn't see any golf yesterday at all. Um, I did see that uh, Fox and Perez went to a playoff. Oh, uh, you missed a cracker there. That was after... I was definitely on Perez last week. Were you on Perez as well last week? I wasn't, no. No, no I was so... on him uh, two weeks before, so... <laughs> so like, so we've, we've taken two shots at Perez, missed, and then he's got to the playoff and won. Um actually beat Moronk again, both of them by a shot, who just keeps trying to uh, mm-hmm. to do it and doesn't, which strangely for Moronk, he, he was bogey-free on the final round, 68, but it was a, a double bogey on two on Saturday and a triple bogey on 17 uh, in the same round. That actually basically cost him. That's not good, is it? But he keeps He's still up there every time. It's just uh, his, time, his time will come. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, if you're, if you're going to shoot 68 bogey free on the final day when you're in contention, uh, you're probably doing something right. That was three rounds of 68 last week. So um, I do still believe in him. Um, what did you make of the playoff then? Did you watch all of it? Or? Yeah, 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 I watched it. Um, well, Fox had his moment. You know, he had, his, he's had a moment two or three times to win it. But Pires, where he's had trouble on the greens probably throughout the event... He just found a bit of magic, you know, and was just, he probably made over 100 feet of putts. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. It was, honestly, I hadn't seen anything like it. It was just uh, bosh, bosh, bosh. And he was giving it the large one as well. So I think he was kind of getting under Foxy's skin a bit because by the end of it, it was a very brief handshake. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a shame or not. I kind of like people no, showing that kind of character. All, I think no, I think it's all just competitive. It's, 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 he, he was just looked like he wanted more, yeah. and he was just. Um, I think he just felt like he had. A, he shouldn't have even been had the chance to win it, and suddenly he started to believe that he could win it. And then he, the way he just kept on holding parts under pressure and having to make them. And then obviously on the par three seventeenth was the deciding hole. Yeah. Um, he made another monster, which was right down the bottom of the green. Didn't really have any chance. He, God knows what you'd say percentage of him actually making it was, but straight in. And yeah, it was just incredible, really. Uh, I felt felt really bad for the Fox backers. I tell you that because that must have been one of the worst losses. So I mean, the, he he took a double down. 18 yeah so really so he shouldn't have even even been in that position to uh in in a playoff as it is so yeah i, I felt for them he'd but, actually birdied that hole the previous two days as well parted on the first day and he was was he he was seven six under par at that point as well on the day mm, yeah uh, before that that double so you know, I think Fox has turned into a completely different animal recently, but that yes. that double bogey is kind of maybe what's keeping him from people backing him at twenty to one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree with that. Um, coming on to this week then, and we're at the Porsche European Open. I don't know if it's still called the Porsche European Open, but it's definitely the it European is. Open. Yeah, I had to jump, double check that. Yeah, um, <laughs> Tommy Fleetwood is the very heavy favourite at twelve to one. Uh, Jordan Smith is 25 to one. Robert McIntyre 25 to one with Moronk 25 to one in one place, but generally speaking 20 to one as well. Uh, Rasmus Hoygaard at 28 to one. We'll stop there. Um, should Tommy be this overwhelmingly favourite? We've seen it like Wallace had obviously 
drop down from the PJ Tour to the DP World Tour last week and yeah. obviously put in a much better performance, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute. But mm-hmm. does Fleetwood warrant that kind of 12 to 1 price when he's not, not what he's been in the past? It's a difficult one to say, really, isn't it? Because he has been playing well again recently, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, but I think he, for me, he's an easy one to sort of say, yeah, let's. And I don't, I don't, he hasn't played this course before, as far as I know. Um, I don't think he's competed it, so I believe it could be his debut, and I think that puts me off a little bit because I think he's not going to be as prepared as the others. And it is a tough course, and I think experience does um, pay well here, you know, to have some experience. So, yeah, I, I think I'll happily take him on at 12. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win it because he has been showing some great signs recently. And as you just said, with Wallace, that drop in class, it, it really does show. I think so. I think the thing is, with so with tour tips, especially who we obviously use for everything that we do, um, they kind of do their course for uh, current form based on you know the the adjusted score as opposed to you know just who's finished first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, or whatever. And Tommy Fleetwood over the last eight weeks ranks first in you know current form current purely form. because he's competing against much stronger fields right and mm-hmm. you know he's been 35th at the Charles Schwab 5th at the USPGA 10th at the Heritage 14th at the Masters 16th at the Valspar 20th Bay Hill 22nd players and the 22nd of players he was actually leading on the first day wasn't he so generally mm. speaking there's been a really really you know solid run since basically well, March what player in this field could could finish that you none know? yeah and, and that's the thing isn't it it's like he almost looks back in well, he is back in major contending form, isn't he? 14th yeah. at Masters, 5th at the PGA. Probably, you know, Brookline would probably be right up his street as well, and certainly St Andrews. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think for me, uh, let's come on to it because Matt Wallace is your first pick of the night. Um, I felt that Matt Wallace had shortened up a lot based on one performance. And he went from mm. eighty to one down to forty to one that you got it yeah. right, and now thirty-five to now one. Thirty-five, best. yeah. Um, obviously, you're going to take the thirty-threes because they're seven places. But when you look at it, how he is compared to Fleetwood in terms of the market, it actually looks like a decent price of forty to one. Yeah, no, exactly. And considering they're both, uh, they're just both. Well, when they're both on their um, A game on the European Tour, they were. They were winners, weren't they? Right. They, they won, won the handful of uh, events over here. So, yeah, I like Wallace again. I think maybe because I was on him. I, I, do you know what? I, honestly, I wouldn't have been on him last week unless Crocker withdrew. Yeah. Um, he was my replacement at 80-1. to 1, And, yeah, I just feel like I'm ready to go back on him again. I know it's a bit of a drop, as you said, to 40s. But I think that was, it's a massive confidence building uh, builder that that performance last week and he's probably kicking himself that he didn't push on on Sunday to contend for the win but that could be like a little bit of contention rust if anything um, but I think upon a reflection he'll see the top five as a, a great result and uh, I think he can build on that here and he was really solid on approach around the green ranked seventh in the field and it was just them wayward drives that proved costly last week I do worry about that a little bit here because obviously there's 17 holes with water in play. Um, so I'm, that's the only thing I'm a little bit concerned about. But he has played this course once before. It was a miscut back in 2017, rounds of 70 and 76. But at the time, he was on a run of four miscuts. So he wasn't in form. Uh, but I like the fact that he's at least played it. He's familiar with the course. And despite his recent form, as we said, he is a class at, at this level. And he's proved that in stages last week and uh, for what it's worth he's got a really good mem- like got some good memories of competing in Germany he's um, he won the BMW International Open in 2019 yeah third place in the same event a year later so he's got them good vibes um, so yeah I don't mind I, I, at 33s I think that's about as you could take him at that seven places. I think that's just about enough. But I, I was man- I managed to get him at forty six places, but I would go to thirty threes, just about. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that BMW International Open because that's where I was going to go with that. Is that you know just winning in Germany is a nice boost. The fact that he beat Martin Keimer, Mikko Korhonen, and Dorbjorn mm-hmm. Rodson that week, I would say that was probably the peak of what he's done because. There's actually only one win between Matt Wallace and Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood five and Wallace four. Um, 
you would argue that Fleetwood's are obviously a lot more important to Abu Dhabi's one Johnny Walker. Um, but, you know, that BMW International Open was a really, really impressive performance. And those three wins all came in a Ryder Cup year when he was trying to push for a spot there. Yes. So um, I think under the pressure, he was really good. I've always been a little bit down on Matt Wallace because I felt like a lot had been factored into what could have just been a run. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's people that still doubt. I've always thought that as well. Yeah, yeah, like people have always doubted. Like people are still talking about, is Scotty Scheffler just on a run? And he's world number one. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and like Matt Wallace has done all of this in basically 2018. But yeah. when you kind of look a bit more deeper into it, like he was seventh last year in Abu Dhabi, second in Dubai, second at the Scottish Championship, third at the Valero Texas Open on the PGA Tour. He had a really good chance, didn't he? I think we might have even been 54-hole leader that week. Mm. Um, before Spieth and Hoffman kind of run that down. So, you know, generally speaking, fourth at the Zozo Championship earlier uh, in 2021 as well. Yeah. There's there's a lot. There, You know, 14th for the Shriners to start the season. The PJ Tour hasn't gone to plan for him so far. Oh, but... but he's still got some top finishes over there. Like, as you say, the third at the Valero, sit Wells Fargo. I mean, as you alluded to, the Zozo. I mean, I think you can't... There's a lot of ability there, I think. Uh, but as you said, it's just it's over. It's consistency. You don't see it with him over. It's like little. He goes through like little spells, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I think I think the good sign is I suppose that we've seen him back up like performances like 14th at the Shriners, fourth at the Zozo earlier in the season. You kind of had that third at the Valero went on to play what at Masters 34th, 18th Heritage, sit for Fargo. Like, that was a nice little run of form. Second uh, in the golf in Dubai, 29th the EP World Tour Championship, then seventh at the Abu Dhabi. So he can, he can wrap these together. Is is the mm. one thing I would say, yeah. uh, especially in the Ryder Cup year. I, I don't know is the answer to, to it to me, which is why I kind of left it alone. I felt, I felt it was short, but then when I look at it in comparison to who else is in the on the betting board, it doesn't particularly bother me as much. You've got Armitage there, you've got Otegi there, you've got, you know. Jordan Wilson has obviously recently won. He's there as well. Corhonen, who doesn't win, well, really. Well, uh, Corhonen was the one for me. I mean, yeah. I, I think he's been playing some great golf. Yeah. But if you could tell me I could have Wallace at the same price as him, I yeah. just, it's just like wing, win equity. Is that, <laughs> it's just, it's, for me, it's just a no-brainer. Yeah, I, um, I completely but, agree with that. Mm, I think I think, um, I think it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's a really... It's a really tough thing. Like, Cajonan's probably one of the most reliable people you're going to have at the moment. Like, if, if you're playing kind of DraftKings or whatever, you want him in your team. Um, but in terms of actually people that you can just see winning, Matt Wallace would probably join that select group of people. Yeah. Like, win only bet Matt Wallace and then each way bet Cajonan and then like, he'll probably be right. That's probably the way to do it. But, yeah. yeah no. I agree with that. So I've gone with a player that I do think has winning upside. Uh, but hasn't shown it yet, and he's it's been a long time uh, without doing so. And that's Thomas Dietrich, who I never I never mm-hmm. think is very good value. And he opened up at 50s this morning. You can still get it uh, in a couple of spots with six places Unibet, five places each uh, with four quarterly odds with um, Bet365. But uh, with a slightly bigger place terms, you've got a 40 to one Paddy Power. Uh, 40 to 1, 8 places, Boyle Sport. And I think they're all okay because he's not in the form that we'd hope, but he's got two second place finishes in Germany, one at this golf course, one at the International Open. Mm-hmm. Um, that came here at the course last year, that second. And I just wonder if that event had gone another round because it obviously got shortened to 54 holes last year yeah. when um, Armitage won. won. And Armitage shot 65. Did they know at the start of the round that that was the final round? I think they did, yeah. They did, because think... that would change my... Because if, if, if Armitage went out not knowing it was the final round and he could play it as if it was a Saturday... I'm, and it ended. I'm, I'm trying to remember back. Yeah, I, I think it was I, should... I think it was planned, wasn't it? I think it was planned. I should know, because I was on Armitage. That <laughs> That's always uh, nice. Yeah, I, but um, I can't remember. It, it just feels like you never know what would have happened if another round went in place, and I'm kind of using that a little bit as a as a reason to bet Thomas mm-hmm. Dietrich. Uh, you know, it wasn't long ago he was 15th on the PGA Tour at the Corrales. He was 54th at the you know the British Masters, which obviously isn't a good result for Thomas Dietrich, but there was a 67 in there. And I just looked at kind of like the in-play stuff from last week, and he sat 38th on day one for a stroke scan approach and 20th on day two, and he gained over two strokes in approach in round two. Now, that kind of suggests to me that there's a little bit of something coming. 
mm-hmm. maybe not. But you know, three starts here, thirty seventh, thirteenth, and second, getting better every time. I just think high upside player. I could see at the end of the week if I wasn't on Thomas Dietrich, looking at that kind mm-hmm. of course form, looking at the location form, looking at the fact his irons were decent for around last year, uh, last week. I think that would look a big price at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And look, he's one of them players that we've said over the years. Like, how has he not broke through yet? Like, yeah. honest. So, and uh, it looks a better course than any for him, given his course form. And he only missed a cut. I think he missed a cut on the number last week. Didn't he, he did. Yeah, right yeah. on the number, which is which is fine. I kind of, I almost like that because it's kept the price out. If he made the cut and finished thirtieth, he's probably twenty-eight yeah. to one. Do you know what I mean? So. It's exactly that, yeah. Which yeah. almost would mean I wouldn't have bet him, which is probably the right result. But it's I kind of like the fact that he's 50 to 1, he's a high upside player. Um, mm-hmm. now I've been looking at people like Mansell in recent weeks, as on him last week, doesn't yeah. seem to have winning upside. Uh, Langask is obviously a very good player, has won, but isn't doing it at the moment. Bjork, same thing. Mm-hmm. Henry Stenson's quite interesting. I do you know what? I'm, I barely clocked that he was in the yeah. field. <laughs> well, I felt the same about Matt Wallace last week. And then it was, it, when I look at Stenson's figures in recent weeks, I'm pretty sure he's been hitting his irons pretty solidly. Um, Just checking him out now. Yeah, he, he missed the, he's missed his last two cuts. But if you go back over the eight weeks, I'm pretty sure he gained a lot of strokes uh, in approach yeah. in recent starts. I think it was at the, at the Heritage. And he played one at the Valero as well before the Masters. Now... I don't necessarily believe that he's someone that is just going to come to the fore. He's obviously got Ryder Cup on his mind. There's probably a couple of players he wants to to watch this week. But you know, I, th- I think he could he could come to form. You look at last year, fourth at the Czech Masters, third at the European Masters, fifteenth yeah. at the Italian Open, thirtieth at Wentworth. Like he's another person dropping class. Maybe just shows. I don't think the price is big enough for me to worry. He, was here. he, he played last year. Yeah. He, he... 77 77 so he didn't fare too well no, last year. no and there's no reason to rush to it at the price but i thought he was someone worth sort of mentioning oh, because 100 percent yeah you know, I, I, I big talent. didn't even clock him if i'm being honest, no. well, to be honest in my first look for a while, i didn't either so maybe he was added in late i don't know um yeah. then there's a couple of other players here um, i tweeted out marcel schneider earlier mm-hmm. um he was 100 to one on opening and i really really liked that um, I, was, yeah. I was really pleased with that. His form is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Brilliant on approach last week as oh, well. So good on approach. He's been top seven the last two weeks in approach, fifth and eleventh in tee to green overall. He was yeah. seventh here on debut last year. Uh, he's got a thirteenth, a seventh, and a fourth in three of his last four starts. The miscut the British Masters was on the number, and he opened with a seventy-seven and then shot a sixty-eight the next day. So nine shots better the following day is pretty impressive. Um, after a tough opening round, so I really, really like Marcel Schneider. Yeah, there's a um, lot to like about him this week. Did he did he win a couple of times on the I'm sure he did, um, yeah. challenge tour? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I'm just double checking. Yeah, I'm it. sure he won twice on the challenge tour last year. Oh, yeah, no, he did. He won twice last year. So once in Portugal, Portugal once Boston. I don't that's know where the Cascada Golf Challenge is. I think that's Czech Republic. That would make sense, I suppose. Um, so that that's a really big booster because he's been here before. Like he's, he's not completely new to this level. Like he's been here and not necessarily succeeded. Um, even going back to like kind of 2015, he had a top 10 in Morocco. But I was just really pleased with his seventh last year. Again, a bit like Dietrich. You don't know what would have happened if it was an extra round. Maybe in his case, he goes backwards. But mm-hmm. um, do I think there's still a little bit of value in 70 to one? Yeah, I think there probably is. I think there probably is. Nice, yeah. yeah, I think there's probably still some in 66 to one. I think if he had opened any, if he had opened at seventies, I'd have taken it. It's only because you've seen that kind of a hundreds that, that you kind of get a little bit peeved. But yeah, I think that's fine. I think you can't you can't make him any bigger. In a you know he's he's in for the Catalonia, seventh in Sedal, fourth at the Dutch Open. It's a very similar level of field, barring you know obviously Fleetwood and Wallace, I guess. Yeah, and a few others. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm pretty happy with that. So. I think I will still go with him. Um, yeah. I'd be disappointed not to put him up, and then he won just because he's dropped in price. So, mm-hmm. obviously, a tweet out he was 100 to 1 this morning. Whether people did anything yeah. with that, I don't know. Um, Sean Crocker. Is oh, we the both love one. the croc. We do love the croc, and be careful with what we're saying there. But um, <laughs> we both love the croc, and he was well, someone. I'm sure you, we don't. <laughs> what you think we're going to say. Yeah, exactly that. Um, I think. We, well, obviously, I wanted to be on him last week, and you, mm-hmm. you obviously just said the same thing as well that when he withdrew, 
And he withdrew, not because of injury, he withdrew because he qualified for the US Open. Uh, absolutely smashed that in Dallas, I think it was, which was basically yeah. its own PGA Tour event in its own right. It was almost like a... I wish we could have bet on that. Yeah, oh, well, if oh, I'd known how deep it was, I probably would have put a request in. But um, <laughs> he was 11th here last year and, you know, 7th recently. As I said, well, was it... Was it the British Masters? Was it somewhere just after that where I said that, you know, he had one good round ball mm-hmm. striking. Uh, one good round with his driver, one good round with his irons, and we should watch out for Sean Crocker. And lo and behold, he finished seventh the following week. And that's not to say, Tom, you're excellent and you, you, know, you were right. It was more just to keep an eye on, and I'm glad he didn't win. But uh, <laughs> I still think there's plenty of value at 80-1 to 1 about someone of that calibre. Um, I think he even, he even touched 100-1 oh, earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seventh place finish at the Sadao Open. We know what type of player he is. He shot a 66 on that final day. Was you know too far behind to actually contend at the Sadao Open, and maybe that's what he needs to do. Like, I think he he might need to shoot a 63 on the final day and yeah, and maybe a bit like win. an Armitage and yeah, Gavin's who we see you know post a number. It, but that's not a problem. I don't really care how they do it. I don't I don't care that's how, how they most win. win on this tour to be honest. It <laughs> as I soon think... as a lot of them get in their heads that they're going to win, it's like so it all goes. And I think he's one of those players that like he knows he's good and he knows he's he's really competitive. He oh. knows he can win, um, and maybe sometimes that gets in his way. Um, but overall, I think Sean Crocker and, and you'll agree is, is a really solid bet this week, folks. Sweaty sack summer is approaching, and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the king of crotch comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to Pleasure Town. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run or strut, these moisture wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing. And the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com. And that's 20% off and free shipping with LFW20 at manscaped.com. So once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. Um, your last pick in this is Dale Whitnell, Brad. Um, someone that's kind of flashed a couple of bits of form recently and doesn't seem to be able to get four rounds put together, but generally is showing quite a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. Um, he's yet to win at this level, but has four top 10 finishes in the last couple of years. And with him doing so well in his debut and his recent form, I think he's definitely someone worth chancing the triple digits with eight, pl- eight places on offer. He could spring a surprise. And he's another one. like You don't know what would have happened on that Sunday. He shot 69 on that Saturday. It was his best round uh, here on his debut last mm-hmm. year. And... You just wonder what one extra day would have meant. Of course, that could go both ways, and he could have finished 30th, or he could have finished yeah. 50th. But generally speaking, the unknown is, is quite a nice thing to have. And at triple digits, you don't really need too much convincing, I don't think, on Dale Whitnell. No, I don't think so. No, so I think I think there's quite a big discrepancy. There's like 80 to 1 with Paddy Power, and then there's 150 to 1 with you know, Betfix 125 with Boyle. So you know, there, there's a difference in opinion there, which is nice. It's good to see. It means mm-hmm. someone's thinking along the same lines as you. Um, I went with Ashley Chester's and I originally didn't want to get sucked into it I'm pretty sure if I listened back to what I did last year Ashley Chester's was probably on there as well but he's had four starts here one missed cut against 8th and ninth and an 18th place finish um, again if it had gone 72 holes maybe a lot better but he gained two strokes uh, in the first round last week and nearly two again in round four and he's had two top 11 tees green weeks in his last five starts so it just feels like there's plenty of consistency sneaking in with Ashley Chester's, and this is obviously a golf course you feel comfortable on. Yeah, I agree with that. Someone I really like this week as well, Ashley Chester's. Um, just been brilliant on approach, and he does. He's one of them players that does show up in certain certain spots, and this is clearly one of his spots. So 
with him trending with his um with his game at the minute, I think he's a, a good bet in the triple digits. Do we do we think he's a winner? I think that's one uh, of the questions you can answer. Yeah, yeah, and but I seem to remember did he come out was it St Andrews at the Open that he played really well as an amateur? remember mate I've got, a, I've got a feeling it was there I'm, I'm pretty sure if I look back if I go back on his OWG oh yeah stuff. the Open Championship uh, yeah tied 12th yeah so that was that was his best performance ever on OWGR 2015 St Andrews and then he's got a couple of decent finishes at Valderrama he was a fourth place finisher yeah, in 2018 yeah. he does like there you know and then when you look at it Porsche European Open 8th for 9th within his two top two of mm. his top 10 finishes um, it's something to pay attention to, I think. Yep, even uh, top ten at the um, the match play event in Germany. What's it, the Pulari match play yeah. in 2017? So yeah, he just might, no, a bit more location form there. He clearly likes the German. Yeah, what is it? Is it does he like the old German sausage or the the <laughs> the, the beers? I don't know what it is. But... That's the crock now. The German. Yeah, that's sausage. it. <laughs> Be careful, tell me. There's plenty of um, yeah euphemisms for this one, but for some reason, Ashley Chester's likes Germany. We don't know why. Uh, maybe one day we'll ask him. But he's a he's a decent enough price. The other person I thought about, Brad, and and he's someone that I've been really against for a decent period of time now is uh, mm. Andy Sullivan. Yes. He's yeah, shown, definitely. He's showing a bit recently, isn't he? Yeah, and it was weird. I, I kind of gone through this thing now that sometimes um, I've actually got two others to go through, and this will be another reason why I come on to this guy. But I looked at the in-running stuff a bit more this week uh, in terms of how did they get to that final strokes gain approach number? Like, what mm. what happened to get there? And obviously, Andy Sullivan missed the cut. Uh, last week, but he actually ranked 30th on day one in strokes gain approach, sixth on day two. He gained over three strokes of his irons uh, oh, yeah. on day two, so I thought that was really impressive for Andy Sullivan. Yeah. Didn't he? Didn't you know? In the end, miss the cut, and there's nothing here to suggest on the he, number as well. I yeah, think. didn't necessarily suggest that he can go forward. But the other one that I think this really leans into is Guido Migliozzi. Now, mm-hmm. this was his first top ten since last August, and. Uh, he was seventh on debut here, where he was third through 36 holes. And he gained strokes on approach in three of his four rounds last week. So he shot, he, he was ranked 18th in the field on day one. Uh, he gained 2.4 strokes. He gained 1.8 strokes uh, in round two. He gained over two strokes again in round three, where he was third in the field. And then on Sunday, Brad, he, he lost 6.2 strokes in approach. So he was sixty oh, fifth in the field. I saw, he, I saw he closed with a seventy five, so I didn't actually look into why it happened. And and the thing for me, so he's finished top ten despite the fact he's lost six strokes on approach in the final day. Jesus. Is that is that just going too aggressive? Is he trying to push for a you know, he's been a long it? time that he's been in contention. Yeah, um, I always I always refer to contention, Russ. I, I do. Um, it could well be. Like he know. was twenty first after day one. He was fifth after day two. Third after day three. I just wonder. Like Guido knows that he's a type of player that when he gets in the hunt, he can win. Mm. And I just think he's maybe just gone all out on it without realizing that he's probably not in the best shape. Like you say, a bit of rust in contention. Yeah. yeah, quite possibly, mate. Well, he's so, tre- he could be trending nicely to the US Open. He could be, yeah. Back-to-back US Open top fives would be interesting for Guido. But uh, I just thought the, the, the you know the icing on the cake was that seventh-place finish here on mm. debut two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See that. One really bad round of his irons versus what he'd done for actually in general for the week was really impressive. Um, that bumped it. Because if you look at it, he was 31st in, in tee to green and mm. he was 41st in approach. But as I've just displayed there he was actually top 20 all the way through a week with his irons but um, that last final round he but, just lost or yeah. went for it completely as he you lost, said he lost all of them like that is where he lost all of his strokes mm. like he sat just over zero strokes gained on approach but he had a bit of mental maths here but he was 2.4 1.8 that's 4.2 he was he was over six six and a half basically strokes gained in approach through three rounds yeah. Like that's top five. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just wonder. You can't just say if he didn't lose six strokes on Sunday, he'd have won. But, uh, but as you said, you can speculate as to why he did that. Yeah. And there's still a lot of positives there, isn't there? I'm hoping it was aggressiveness. 
uh, if it was just a complete loss of game. It would, it would suit his, his, his style if it was aggressiveness. You know, he's the kind of player you would ex- you can you can kind of see it and expect it. You know. The other he... concern, Brad, is what you mentioned earlier, is that the water in play in 17 holes. That's if he's, yeah. he's going to be aggressive on the final day when he's still a little bit rusty, <laughs> um, probably a little bit of a concern. He was 100 to one this morning. He's now. Nineties, nineties, yeah, that's a big price. It is even eighties, seven places. I'm fine with. Um, I think that's a really good price, actually. Having I'd, looked I'd, at it again, I'd probably back him win only on Betfair. I think that's probably mm-hmm. how I would do it. Yeah. Um, because it feels like, as he just showed on Sunday, he's either going to go for it or uh, or fall down mm-hmm. the leaderboard. But um, yeah. yeah, I thought I thought he was a decent price. What about? Someone like Guvio, we've been waiting for him to do something, and he was he was up there for a decent period of time last mm-hmm. week. Is he someone that you keep an eye on, or are you kind of not at all? No, I, I, I obviously I backed him, um, I backed him two weeks ago where I really fancied him. Yeah, um, and obviously he showed a bit last week, but I haven't looked at him for this one at all, which uh, I think it's because I had my fingers burnt at the the Belgium Open. Yeah. or was it the Betfred? I know it was Betfred when I last backed him. Uh, the British Masters, sorry, yeah, not the, the Betfred, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, and uh, but yeah, he's obviously a fantastic player, and he's he, I I I always say that he's I, he's struggled with the, you know, the level above. You know, some players that come from the Challenge Tour, they don't let it phase them; they just play their stuff, and um, hopefully, this is a sign, this seventh place finish, that he can actually build on this because he's got he's a player of a lot of ability. And I know um, Jason absolutely will agree with me. He's a big fan of his as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whether he could do it again this week, I'm not sure. I didn't look at him personally for this one. No, it was just a name I was coming across as I was looking at those mm. odds. Um, I will mention, um, what's his name? Uh, Nick Batcham, yeah. the young German. Um, he's certainly one to keep an eye on, maybe for a top 20 bet or something, because he's, he's been flying on the Challenge Tour recently. Um Great prospect. I think he's actually. I don't know what price he is. I think he's like three hundred to one. Who he's was now two hundred and fifty to one with Unibet. Yeah, it's huge. But I, I mean, it's a big ask. I think a top twenty bet could be could be an interesting one if you get like an eight to one or ten to one about it. He played uh, here last year, didn't he? So he's got some experience of yeah, actually playing. Seen it. Yeah. So I I think he did miss the cut that week, but he's obviously playing mm. a lot better than he was. He's obviously a bit more familiar with playing at a decent level, and maybe the opportunity, you know, the experience doesn't get to him too much this time around. I mean, he shot mm. seventy six, seventy nine, so there's, no, there's nothing to latch onto from last year. But oh, that, God, no, there isn't no. But uh, it's it's the recent. Yeah, this is cool, and it's um yeah, it's a it's a massive long shot. Um, but yeah, I do think top 20, top 40 might be the limit, but you never know. He's a, he's a player with a lot of promise, and I, I'm no doubt we'll see him on the tour within a couple of years, or three years at least. But yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, one other sort of name that I want to kind of throw out there, I don't, not enough that I kind of want to back him, and I'm just going to make sure that he is definitely uh, in the field before I even say his name. Yep, Maximilian Kiefer gained nearly eight strokes mm-hmm. on approach last week. Um, was second in approach, seven and a half strokes gained. Obviously, coming back to his uh, his home country, I, there's not been enough to kind of suggest that he's gonna win. And there's not even I don't think he's even played well here in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you're paying a little bit of German tax on him because. If you look at his course form, 47th, 29th, miscut, 45th, it's not exactly like he's ever lit the course up. But mm. if he's going to hit his irons that well, and you look at some of his you know, recent finishes, they're actually pretty impressive. It could uh, it could all yeah, come together. He's quite streaky. He can turn a few couple of results together. You yeah. know. Um, I did look at his Instagram earlier. I do tend to do this. Uh, and he, he made a very co- like positive comment. He was just saying his, his, his game's feeling really good, and it's just his putter that was like very cold. Or else he, he felt like he should have done a lot better last week, you know. So um, he's obviously every, you can only take into account what you every what you read, read and see yeah. on Instagram. But he's in good spirits, and I, like as you alluded to, his performance last week was brilliant, like on approach and off the tee. So yeah, he's he's definitely a 
triple digits, I think he's someone to definitely um, take into consideration. Yeah, so I think that that pretty much summarises what we want to talk about here, unless you had anyone else that you wanted to kind of mention. No, no that's it, mate. No, yeah, I think I think that's fine. I think it's one of those tournaments where there's there was a lot of players when I first started doing it. I got quite excited, actually, when I started reading off Dietrich, <laughs> Greedo, Crocker, Schneider. Schneider, obviously, very important for me, and Ashley Chesters. I thought, oh, here we go. Like, it's going to be a case of cutting everybody down. And once I got those five in, I was like, actually... There is no one else. Like I have no other interest, which is good because it means you kind of put it to a halt. Um, let's go over to the memorial then. John Rahm is the ten to one favourite. Uh, revenge. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Rory McIlroy twelve to one. Patrick Cantlay eighteen to one. Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, and Cameron Smith. And we'll chuck in Xander Schauffele as well, twenty two to one. So. As you just said there, revenge is the word of the day. Um, John Rahm should have a win at this golf course on his uh, on his Wikipedia page. I think it's probably fair to say. I think, did he have a six or seven stroke lead uh, before he got yanked off the golf course? Yeah. Um, Brutal. He would, have, he would have got over that. I know people say you can't just give it to him, but he would have converted that. Uh, Patrick Cantley obviously took advantage, beat Colin Morikara in the playoff, but there's two ways this can go i think brad it can either go that he's gonna be you know proper in fu mode and he's gonna win it or he goes in fu mode gets so angry of himself yeah. that he misses one putt and actually misses the cut like there's there is really two extremes for john rahm i don't obviously i don't think he's gonna miss a cut i'm sure whatever he does he'll probably just well, i completely agree with you though and at 10 to 1 it's like a bit like oh i don't know if because you, you, you don't know which way it will go you yeah know? and that's, that is the thing with rahm because he's he can be so focused up sometimes, and he'll do. He'll put in a performance like he did last year at the Memorial, and he, yeah, he, as you said, he should have won. Uh, but then when he loses his rag, he he looks like a player you just would not want your money anywhere near, you know, because he just uh, goes completely off the boil. Well, he's got he's got three starts here. One's a miscut, one's a win, and the other one's a withdrawal when he would have won. So it's. It's hard to it's hard to rule him out, isn't it? It, it really well, of is. Of course it is. Um, but on the flip side, like you say, at ten to one, I need to be absolutely sure that he's not gonna, you know, punch someone. And I don't necessarily <laughs> think that's the case. I, I feel like he'll walk in there and he'll just look at the people that told him that he had to uh, had to pull out and just sort of get really angry with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When you look at that workday charity open, which to be honest, I didn't really pay so much attention to in twenty twenty. Uh, mm-hmm. He shot a final round 64 to finish 27th. So he, was, he wasn't he was actually anywhere near the kind of top. He was probably swearing that it was a passing contest that week. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out on John Rahm. That was a long way of saying no to him. Yeah, I thought Rory McIlroy was harder to leave out. But again, not really that bored about the top of the board. Mm-hmm. No, no, I didn't really take much notice of the top of the board either. Um, I think Morikawa could look very big at the end of the week, 22. But I think, as we said earlier, he's a tough one to trust at the moment given that he hasn't been playing very well but this is when he normally shows up and wins and so and obviously it's a great track for him um but also interestingly i just don't understand how cameron smith is so bad here you know his record is really poor i think at 20 to 1 he's an easy one to to leave even though i do think that his game suits murfield village and also i just feel like maybe what why he doesn't do so well is because of his his wayward drives. You know that there's a lot of uh, the rough is can be can be thick, and I, I, maybe that's where he doesn't get as much joy. Um, so yeah, I was ha- they're the two that I kind of were thinking about, but I think at Smith at twenties I can easily leave, even though I, you know how much I love taking him. Yeah. Um, Morikawa at twenty twos could look big at the end of the week, but or at the same time. Can leave it. So I think I think the thing with Morikawa is like last week I was very much like his irons aren't firing and if his irons aren't firing then you know you, you can't bet Colin Morikawa. But last week he was seventh in approach. He had the the best iron day of anyone on Saturday. He had a tenth place iron day on the Thursday and he was inside the top twenty on the final day. So he lost strokes on Friday and that was it. Um, mm-hmm. So that there is signs that that maybe he's coming back into a bit of form again, and we're talking about a guy. We're saying coming back into form is because he's not winning, and that, yeah, that's, that's literally awful. it. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, otherwise he'd be a very good player if it wasn't Colin Rakow. So I, I do want to talk about Patrick Cantley quickly because I'm very dismissive of him 
basically every week. Um, and, and that's because, one, I think two of his wins you could probably take away from him. Uh, you, you can take the Tour Championship away from him because he shouldn't have had that lead. And he obviously shouldn't have won this one that we're talking about now. But also, like, the, the time he won the BMW Championship from Bryson, that was the week he gained 14 strokes putting, wasn't it? And yeah. it just concerns me that like, he's had two seconds already this year. And you think, actually, that's that's really impressive. He's had two fourth-place finishes. He's had a ninth-place finish. Actually, everything points to Patrick Cantley being really good. But is it a concern that he's not concerted, you know, not converted either of those seconds? I mean, the Phoenix Open, he shot a 67, which was the same as Scotty mm-hmm. Scheffler, and they both just kind of missed their putts to win it, and Scotty Scheffler finally put one in. Um, the Heritage, he shot a 68 to, to Jordan Spieth, 66. But even at the Heritage, he was 70-68 over the weekend when he opened 66-67. Yeah. It just feels like he's got a little bit of fragility in contention still. Pebble Beach, 68-71 over the weekend. Yeah, I'm not thinking. I don't think he's a natural winner by all means. Um, but yeah, which seems said, strange for how many wins he got. That's yeah. But it depends That's how you view those two or three wins. Mm, I agree. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that concerns me, as I'm related, is just how he doesn't. He struggles to show up in the majors when everyone expects him to the most. Yeah. You know. I think um, I think I'd almost rather back Patrick Cantlay at 18 to one in this than I would that 33 and 40s yes. one in the major. Yeah. Um, just, just you know, you know he's going to play well in this golf course in this tournament, or that's what everything you know suggests. Mm-hmm. The hardest one I felt, obviously we didn't mention Lowry and Hovland. I thought were kind of hard to leave out. Um, yeah, Lowry and Fitzpatrick for me. Can yeah. I just back them all the time. I just, they just profile well for this course. Um, but yeah, I think I've this is probably the week they win. The the week I jump off, as I said to you earlier. So. Yeah, I think I think with Lowry, like his irons left him a little bit at the PGA, whereas his driver was still strong. I really didn't like what I saw from Fitzpatrick in that final round. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, it was, I thought it was really discouraging, and I, I suppose it's a major, and like it comes with its own you know stresses, and everyone was struggling, and it was a difficult goal, of course. And do you not put too much value in that? But he, he hasn't really ever looked like he was going to win a PGA Tour tournament to me. Like He's always looked a little bit short of it. And I always just thought when Billy Foster got involved, that was going to be a massive plus. But I don't know if they've got that kind of natural relationship. I was thinking about this mm-hmm. earlier and talking to Matt on the DraftKings show. Like Billy Foster's always worked with older, well-established, high-profile players. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe Fitzpatrick is a bit more of a project. And that's not a knock-on Foster. And it's not really a knock-on Fitzpatrick. It's a good position to be in. But... It looks like it's not as natural as you'd expect. It Might to be. not be the best mix, yeah. Um, it just doesn't look like he listens to him as much as you think he would. It looks <laughs> like he's, you know, he does things his own way. He's cross-hand chipping, which I guess you know Foster doesn't really have any say on. But parts mm-hmm. with the flag in, there just looks to be a lot of kind of yeah. things that put me off. So you know, and, uh, yeah. As, as we said earlier, like off air, we were saying how well we were impressed with Mito, how he reacted. Obviously, it was his. T- US PGA, he threw, he threw it away. Yeah, he responded really well um, last week. And look, Fitzpatrick in his own head thought that it was his to win. Yeah. Um, how well is he going to respond here? He, he, you know, you can see by the way his social media and everything that he's absolutely gutted. Yeah. Um, but so he obviously thought he had a genuine chance going into Sunday, as he did, as we all know. But yeah, he didn't bring it and. Look, let's just see how he might not react very well this week to it. You know, somebody might bounce back and and win. You know, it's just hard to know. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's happy to leave him at 28th this week, which is uh, I love backing him. But yeah, for that reason, I, I was, he was a little less appealing. Yeah, I think there's you know there's a couple here. Obviously, Zadatoris. You're going to wonder how he's going to bounce mm-hmm. back. He's very much in the same mould of it. how does he feel after throwing away a tournament, if you like. Um, I think it's different for him. He's kind of had his miscut, got that out of the way at uh, at the at Colonial, which I don't think it was a golf course that was great for him anyway. wasn't a great style of event for him, so I'm I'm kind of glad he's got that out of the way, and I feel like this will be a good, you know, it's definitely Back a good the course. Top track, yeah. Like I think that's actually plays into his hands a bit. Um, yeah, definitely. I didn't go there, and I didn't go to Homer. I didn't go to Matsuyama. I thought they're all worthy of mm-hmm. Cameron Young. I mean. What do we need to say about Cameron Young? We haven't already said. Like oh. whether he can keep it up, I don't know. Um, that's why I won't be on at thirty-three to one. But 
I mean, there is still one lone 40 to one out there. Unibet seems to have taken a bit of a stance on quite a few players this week, which is have, yeah. a credit to them. But let, let's go to someone that we are definitely on. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned Mito Pereira. It isn't Mito Pereira, although I will come on to in a minute. But Joaquin Neiman at 14 to one, uh, 40 to one. Sorry, um, it's a good green surface for him. Uh, the, the passing surfaces for him here. He was sixth on debut when he shot a final round 73 and lost by three. So I think that's kind of a a sign that he can actually win here if he's you know in good you know good position. He was third and ninth in strokes gain off the tee the last two starts. So his iron play has regressed a little bit. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, his approach game has been pretty poor for his standards. So how do we view that? Do we view that well, as it's going to come back? I and... think so, because it's never been this bad. And it's like the, the rest of his game's in great shape. And like we saw at Riviera when he won, he just he gained seven strokes on approach. and He can turn it on. Um, and I think this is a good course for him. So uh, I, yeah, I, I view it as it's... I'm going to take a chance that it improves because everything else is in place. Yeah, and and that's funny, isn't it? Because like we we said before, I think it was probably about like Beesberger and people like that, like don't just keep saying it's just a putting week away from winning because that putting week never seems to come. But <laughs> that's not going to be the case with Wacken Neiman. Like he's he, no. he hasn't forgotten how to hit an iron, has he? So um, I've been really impressed. Like since that win at Riviera, he missed the cut the following week. There's no great shakes in that. Twenty second at the players. Match play obviously didn't go to plan, but 35th at the Masters, 12th at the Heritage, 25th at the Byron Nelson, 23rd at the PGA. Like, he's starting to find some real consistency now. That's kind of what six mm-hmm. straight top 35 finishes, two of them in majors. Yeah. Um, has played well here in the past. He, when he was sixth, he was obviously involved all the way along, but I'm pretty sure as well, Brad, that he's actually had another good finish, like 26th, I think it was. Um, yeah. I think 31st, oh, that was at the work, the work day, though. Yeah, um, he was 27th on this golf course in this event, and he was 18th after 54 holes. So, although he's missed the cut the last two years, that doesn't necessarily bother me. He wasn't kind of in the form he's in now. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, the obvious concern is can those irons come back, but we're both in agreement they will do. I think 41 is a good price that they do, and uh, I'll be cheering on Wacky Neiman like we did for the uh, Riviera week. Straight up, yep, through all that, and I just think he's just he's still a big performance as well, as you were saying. Like he's just been playing really well without contending. I just so, think yeah. he's 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 getting used to this kind of elevated status. Like that Riviera win was huge for him, and mm-hmm. he's still young. Like he's still so young, and oh, he's so young. Yeah, people forget how young yeah, he is. Yeah, like he's still he's still got plenty of time ahead of him to like. If he hadn't figured it out at this point, you'd still be making the excuses for him. And he's won multiple times, so. Um, absolutely mm. fine with him at the moment. Mito Pereira, we mentioned earlier, and I'm going to mention him again. Um, he was the best player off the tee last week. So imagine you've just thrown away the PJ Championship because you've put your final drive into the water um, with possibly the worst swing I've ever seen uh, off the tee in a professional golf tournament. And all of a sudden, you're the best player the following week off the tee. 18th in approach. I reckon that's because he's been doing nothing else other than hitting drivers. Yeah, he's either he's either hit <laughs> a million drivers to get over it out of anger, yeah. <laughs> or he's like not touched a golf club for a week and just hoped it went better the next time. Um, but there was no PTSD, which I thought was really impressive. Like he's yeah. just gone straight back and finished seventh after finishing third and probably should have won a major championship. So he's now 27th or better in his last six starts. Uh, he was 15th for Riviera, which I think is a nice kind of bump to that. He's 14th in rough proximity, so if he does miss those fairways, I think that's a bonus. Now, that's rough proximity from probably playing out of our back garden as opposed to um, playing out of the rough that he's going to face this week. But everything suggests to me, like, once he finished 7th last week, I was like, you know what, I want to be on Pereira again. And I've been against him at 80-1, to 100-1, to 1. 66 to 1 because people have been very like high on him very early and wanted to get there and be on his first win. And I think actually it makes a lot more appeal at this number at 55, 45, or whatever. When you know 50 to 1, eight places, when you know he's been yeah, good form. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah. Like that's really impressive, I think, for me, so Pereira. Mm, I like it. And I think he's one of those now where everyone's cheering him on because I think everyone felt for him, you know, other than the JT backers. Yeah, I had no one in the running there. I was just, like, heartbroken for him. Um, I, 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 you know what, I, did, I say I didn't and I laugh. Obviously, I was on JT, but I did, it was yeah. gutting. Like, from a just from, from a pure sporting fan point of view, like, if I had no money involved, it would yeah, be of course, yeah. heartbreaking for someone. 
Um, someone who people don't, uh, you know, break their hearts over is Patrick Reed. Uh, not the most popular player in the entire world. Always seems to be priced with that in mind. And I've always said this. I mean, a podcast, only Colonial last year was like 22 to 1. And I was like, people are not backing him because they don't like him. And 22 to 1 is a great price for someone that's won nine mm-hmm. times. Uh, and here he is now at 50 to 1 uh, at Memorial, where he's got a tenth and a fifth the last two years. He's never missed a cut. Never it? missed a cut in six attempts. And uh, two top 15 rounds in approach last week. He only lost strokes one round. Um, you know, he ditched the PXG driver last week, finished tied seventh and ranked 33rd off the tee. And 33rd doesn't sound that great, but oh, that's, him, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah, like that's just, that's what he does. He hasn't got, ma- you know, maximum distance. He hasn't really got too much going for him. He just knocks it around, gets his irons closer uh, really good wedge play, and and we're both on Patrick Reed at well 50, 60, 55 50 to one, yeah, 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 fifty five oh. to one. I think you can get some decent, yeah, or fifty to one eight places. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. No, I echo all of that. And I think for me it was that I heard that he swapped drivers, which I thought was massive because he was just having no joy with that whatsoever. Um, that was sort of like the final. I was like, I'm an aring over Reed, and then I, I, I saw that. I didn't even I missed that last week, and uh, once I saw that, I was like, all right, here we go. You know, he's uh, everything's falling into place for Reed to go well this week. So um, yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a very solid bet. I'm always late with this kind of equipment news, and it was only once you confirmed it. But I obviously I'd come back and had a few drinks yesterday, and I just saw he'd finish well, and I was like, I bet he's got a different driver. Like there can't be any other reason that he's suddenly good again. Um, <laughs> And that was the case. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's made the world a difference. A couple of other names here I think are worth mentioning. Matt Kuchar has a very, very good record here. Um, Keegan Bradley has a good record here. Leishman, it should be a good test for. I just think he's a little bit lost. Yeah, I do as well, yeah. I think he's one of those where people are going to chance him based off it. Everyone profiling Leishman. You know, as this is, these are the sort of courses where he does show up. But I just... Not sure if he's fully there at the moment, but I think there's still enough juice in the price because obviously he's just he does has shown in the past so often showing up with these kind of tests. Um, but yeah, he's definitely one who piqued my interest. And I mean Adam Scott, I think does he have a good record here, Adam Scott? Adam Scott's a ridiculous record here. So he's played here. Uh, I can't. I don't even know how many times it is, but he's missed one cup basically and finished second, fourth, fifth, thirteenth, sixteenth. Of course, so a bit like Leishman yeah. as well, really. You look at Leishman, he's played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen times here in Mr. Cup once, and he's got two top fives and two top fifteens. Like, it's really impressive. I, he just doesn't like he to me when I look at when I look at the last four years, he's got 62nd, 5th, 40th, 57th. It just feels like 40th is the result he's going to get this week. Like, it just concerns me he's not playing well. I'm also worried about Leishman, like how much he really wants it recently. I don't know. I just need to see some more oomph. He likes cutting him. his own uh, greens at his house, doesn't he? And he bottles his own Leishman lager oh, or whatever. Top, oh, he's a top, top lad. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I think he just enjoys life, which is, you know, I'm yeah. all for. Sometimes that probably is a gateway to better golf. But uh, Siwoo Kim was the last one for you uh, on your list. Yeah. You can get was, 90 to uh, 1, 80 to 1 with more places. What would you do mm-hmm. there? 80 to 1, 8 places? Well, we get 106 places uni, but I think 80 to 1, 8 places is fine. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fine, yeah. Take the places uh, with Siwoo um, because, yeah, he's he's been really quite good this year. Like he's, other than barring the miscut at the Byron Nelson and the withdrawal at the players, he's made 13 or 15 cuts. Which is pretty impressive. He hasn't pulled any tre- like pulled up any trees in that time, but with two back-to-back 11th place finishes, 13th at the Texas Open, they were his best finishes. But I do feel as though he's the kind of player that can show up on certain courses that suit his game. And Murphy Village looks like it is one of them spots for him over the years. I have seven starts, he's made the cut six times. Best finish was ninth coming last year, and he was in pretty poor form. He had a miscut at the USBGA, withdrew after one round at the Charles Schwab, and he didn't do much before that, and he finished ninth. And that that is always something that catches my eye when I notice, yeah, as it shows, he doesn't necessarily need to be in the best of form to show up here. Um, but he is arriving in okay form, you know. Like he's 
form's okay and he's clearly enjoys the course i did see he opened at 125s but it didn't really last long anything 80 to one or bigger as we just said the eight places um i think that's more than enough juice to chance him yeah and i think with Sibu kim you look at Jack Nicholas designs and he's he's won at the Amex, which he designs a couple of the courses at, in that rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Heritage kind of gets credited to Jack Nicholas and Pete Dye, and he's been uh, uh, he's really known as a Pete Dye specialist, I would see. Yeah. And then he's got a ninth here, as you've already referenced. And he's also got a tenth at Firestone, which people always tend to link to this one as well. So mm-hmm. he does seem to just play like like you say, he's a Pete Dye, and he's a maybe even a Jack Nicholas is just thrown in there. There's there's mm-hmm. some, there's some bits for him, so. Definitely a lot to like uh, about Siwoo Kim. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple that I think are worth mentioning. I think Brendan Steele uh, is someone that can pop yeah. up. He obviously finished top 10 at the PGA, hits the ball incredibly straight most of the time, mm-hmm. uh, can get hot with his irons. He's coming on uh, on the prices. I think Ben Coley had already tipped him up, which is uh, makes sense as to why the prices come in. I do think that that is respectful. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think he's more of a top 10, top 20 play, but if you get an eight places, 100 to one, you can do it that way as well. Um, and Cameron Davis appealed to me a little bit. It was it was really weird. He, he just seems to be finding form again. And, and if, you, yeah. if you see that from someone like Davis, I think there's a lot of upside in him. Uh, he was 17th in approach last week and he was 19th off the tee. Uh, he's not done anything here yet. But you would expect him to. It's the sort of golf mm-hmm. course that I think he would do well at. He's kind of 125 to one, and he was like, we, we kind of expected him not to do what kind of Cameron Smith had done, but he was he was that kind of next level, I think. Whereas like, we really thought he'd kick on for that Rocky Mortgage win. It took him so long to get it, he almost went backwards. He's never really bounced mm-hmm. off from it. But I say that, and then you go 10th at the Tournament of Champions, 27th at Hawaii. Third at the Heritage, seventh last time out at, at Colonial, 48th at the PGA is obviously nothing, but that's obviously in a far stronger field than than what he's playing. And I just think, I just think there's something there. I just think he's he's yeah. looking like he's what back. Price, what price can you get about him? He's 125 to one. Is Cameron Davis? You can get 150 if you take less places. Mm, um, but I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. 125 with eight places. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Lahiri obviously keeps popping to mind. Yeah. Um, he's obviously got that second place finish here so it's basically the peak of his PGA Tour career but the other one that I wanted to mention and he's a, he seems a massive price he probably isn't because he can't piece it all together which we're about to point out but um, Emiliano Grillo is 350 to 1 with Unibet he's 250 to 1 with 8 places and just like Guido Migliozzi he was really really good with his approaches until he wasn't so he <laughs> gained over three point. He was 3.2 strokes on the first round where he's fifth in the field. He marginally gained uh, nearly a stroke in round two, 32nd. He then gained just 1.7 strokes uh, on Saturday where he's 15th for the day. And then he lost five and a half strokes on Sunday. And, he really finished poorly, didn't he? Yeah, and, it, and that wasn't necessarily an aggressive thing because he wasn't he did a big chance to win. Yeah, he, he wasn't quite on that scale because he couldn't win. Um, but I just I just feel like there's been a couple of things with Grillo. He's shown some signs recently that he can, you know, get back into the... Not what he was, because I think he was really, really consistent for a good period of time. But mm. he was 33rd at the Mexico Open. He was 46th at the Byron Nelson, where he shot a 64 on day two. Um, you know, he was 63rd last week which we just explained could have been a lot better. He was inside the top 30 for most of the week. It just looks like he's showing a little bit. And when you yeah. see someone like Grillo showing a little bit, and this is a player that for his first four starts, here went 11th, 40th, 23rd, 9th, um, before missing the last two cuts. So I'm just quite interested with Grillo. I think there's there's something a there. A place bet, for sure. Yeah, I think he's a good, like, maybe a top 30, top 40 type mm. of thing, because it doesn't feel like he's ready to win. Like, he, he wasn't winning when he was at his very best so you know that that's obviously a concern but i just think there's there's certainly signs but was there anyone that massive odds that you thought were worth looking at odds. no i don't think there was if i'm being honest with you i sort of stopped at the 150 mark i didn't really look much further. We've, we've seen some weird ones, we? 
we've seen some weird winners here in the past. We've seen Ling Murph. Yeah. We've seen Jason Duffner at a time when, you know, I suppose he was a better player then. But you just got a couple of weird names on on the winners list. I can't. There's a few strange names in the field actually this week. I mean, Jediah Morgan's a young Australian who I've bet on on the on the Aussie tour, um, youngster. But I don't know how he's got an invite into this. <laughs> it's so bloody random. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm expecting him to miss the cut if I'm being absolutely honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no one really. Um, no. I'm just no looking. It's, it's only because like you look at. 2012. So you look at the winners and it's very elite. Like it's Cantlay, Rahm, Cantlay, DeChambeau. And then you had that weird period of Duffner, McGirt, Lingmurf. But that was a really weird stretch of winners. But they also, second place, John Curran in 2016, Lahiri 2017. 2018 yeah. was Carl Stanley and Byung Hunan. And um, 2020 was Ryan Palmer to John Rahm. So some, some good each yeah. way. <laughs> like, it just feels like you can get some value in this event and mm-hmm. I don't know if that speaks to just because it's such a hard test that someone can just have a good iron week or even just a good short game week and, and save mm-hmm. themselves um, I mean Luke Donald's been in his irons well and, and has a decent record here uh, I, I think before I said to proceed with caution when you're betting on Luke Donald but he's got a 6th for 14th for 7th a 12th and a 21st here back in the day I mean he was world number one at one point, so I would bear that in mind. But third in approaches on whatever that was three tournaments ago and 20th last week in his approaches, it just feels like Luke Donald is someone that could do that kind of... Are uh, we going back to the top English market again, are we? It could be top English market. Is that is that up yet? It's not it's up not yet, even it? up yet. No, no. I just, it's probably a good no. thing because we're, we're <laughs> we trying to be, take... Yeah. Who are we trying to... Who's the front runner is going to be in that for the top English market? So we have got... Well, still, I, I wouldn't mind. I think Aaron Rye well, won't be right up there, but you obviously Fitzpatrick would be favourite. Yeah. yeah, so you've got um, Fitzpatrick to beat, basically, is is what you're looking at. Yeah. And then you've got Ryan Willett and a few others. Uh, Danny Willett is is someone that's interesting as well, actually. I'm glad you said his Mm. name because his event form or course form, whatever way you want to put it, is actually really impressive. Three starts here and he's on his 27th, 32nd and 26th. And on on the first start, he was 12th after round one, 10th after round two and 15th after round three. In the second start, when he was 32nd, he was 8th after round two and 4th after round three. And shot an 82 on the final day to finish 30 seconds. I just seen that. And then last year he was 23rd after 54 holes and dropped through. So I actually think Danny Willett is a is a really interesting play. Really um, interesting play. What's his recent? Form? Well, it's, uh, it's average. But he yeah. played well at he played well at um, the British Masters when he was yeah. hosting, didn't he? Yeah. And he was 12th at the Masters. Yeah. So there's yeah. enough. There's enough there. I think Danny Willett kind of for a top thirty maybe. Well, we're going off the past three performances, a top thirty and yeah. top forty bet. It should should be right. They should be cashing in, shouldn't they? So there, there's some targets there. I think in Grillo, in Willett, in Donald, in, if you want some kind of place market uh, bets, they're all quite interesting, um, yeah. but maybe not too much to get involved in uh, in terms of winning. Let's go back then to our um, Porsche European Open selections. I'm a bit all over the place today. I'm a bit slightly tired. Um, but let's go back to those European Open picks. So I've gone with Thomas Dietrich, uh, 40 to 1. Uh, Marshall Schneider will still go with a 66 to 1. Sean Crocker, 80 to 1. Guido Migliozzi, 90 to 1. And Ashley Chester's at 125 to 1. Uh, Brad, your European Open picks for me, please, mate. I've gone for Wallace, uh, 33 to 1 or 35 to 1 is fine. Uh, Crocker, 80 to 1, and Whitnall, 125 to 1. Yeah, I like those. I think I think there's a really solid list of players we've got there. Obviously, we both agree on uh, Sean Crocker, which is which is nice to yeah. see. Um, on to the PJ Tour for the Memorial. For me, I've gone with Wacky Neiman and Mito Pereira at 40 and 45 to 1, so going very chilly-centric uh, there. Patrick Reed at 55 to 1. I think I just saw, I had it written down as 50 to 1, but I'm sure I just saw someone else go to 55 to 1 with big places. I might be, might be reading that wrong on the list. No, it's 50 to 1, 8 places uh, is fine. Yeah. There's 55, 6 if you, if you really want to go all out. Um, 
And then I just think there's a, there's a plethora of players down there. I think Danny Willett, Emiliano Grillo, um, people like that that are worth mentioning, Anaban Lahiri, Brendan Steele, uh, all of those guys. Actually, Brad, before I let you come into your picks, Lucas Herbert came up for me as well. Um, Definitely. Has played well here in the past. Seems to, to have some decent results uh, recently, albeit not consistent. Um, but yeah, on to your picks for the Memorial. Okay, so similar thoughts to you. I went with Neiman at 40 to 1, uh, Patrick Reed at 50 to 1, and Siwoo Kim at 90 to 1. But I think you can get 80 to 1 now. It's available. Uh, eight places. Those are my free picks. Yep, no, I like that. I think. To me, if I was backing Patrick Reed, he's 70 to 1 on the exchange. I think he's a really interesting price. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Leishman's 100 to 1 there if people were uh, interested in him. Same as Adam Scott. So those those look like really big prices. Like you've got that little Aussie trio of Leishman, yeah. Day, and Scott. If you, if you believe in any one of those, you'd like to think you'd get a, maybe like a, a run out of one of them. You would, possibly. wouldn't you? Um, Even if they're in the top, one of them's in the top 10 in the final. Final round, you never little lay. Exactly that. And then the other one that I thought was worth mentioning before we sum up. If Bryson plays, he's a hundred and fifty to one. Now I don't know. He wasn't in great form before. He, he loves this course missed, as well. But he really like lo- he does. The the trouble is, is it was like old Bryson that won here. It was before he got all beef caked up, but. Yeah. He's 18th here last year. He was 22nd the year after he won it as defending championship. Uh, defending champion, shot a final round 66. One missed cut here to four top 38 finishes. I just wonder at 150 to one of the exchange, if you really want to take a chance, you're not going to. As soon as he comes back to playing every week, you're not going to get Bryson DeChambeau 150 to one. So especially not in the course yeah. he's won it. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll just about do it, I think, for us, Brad, um, yeah. for the Memorial Tournament. We've got the Canadian Open next week, and then we have got the. What oh, to that? We've, yeah, I've, I've, you know, it's been it's been off the schedule. Is it two years? It's been off the schedule. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then, and they're not going back. I I really like Glen Abbey. They're not going back there this year. I think they're going to. Is it Royal St George's? Quite well, but I forgot the name. Whether it's Royal St George's or just St George's, because Royal St George's is our one, isn't it? So it's just St George's Golf and Country. Yeah, St George's Golf Course, that's it. Yeah. Uh, hasn't hosted a Canadian Open since 2010, but can you tell me who won in 2010? Okay. No, it's Carl Pettersson. You definitely wouldn't be able to tell me that he won. And he beat, <laughs> Glenn, uh, he beat Dean Wilson, who I don't even know who that is, and really surprised he's got a Wikipedia page. So uh, Dean Wilson was a runner-up in 2010. But... Uh, yeah, that'll be a good tournament. And then we've obviously got the US Open the following week. So, Brad, mm. plenty to look forward to in the next uh, month or so. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, thank you very much, Devon, mate, and we'll catch up soon.